We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hybe, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. To you, the listener, I want you to know that I appreciate you, and I'm thrilled to have you here for another episode. If there's ever anything that I can do to support you, please reach out. That being said, if you'd like to connect with me, LinkedIn is a channel that you're going to find me most active on. Just search for Lori Heidi. You can simply click the follow button as I post daily information about marketing strategy tips and all podcast episodes and upcoming events. If you'd like to connect, make sure to send a note with your connection request that references Social Capital. I cannot wait to hear from you. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency that believes in order to successfully market to your ideal customer, you have to first understand your customer. Learn more at keystoneclick.com. Today's guest is Nandani Iswer. Nandani is co-founder and CTO of Speakfully, the organic, ever-evolving, human-centric platform to address workplace mistreatment. Known for humanizing tech solutions, Nandani is ensuring the success of the Speakfully mission by integrating social and emotional intelligence into the overall technical roadmap of the brand. A passionate proponent of women in STEM, Nandani supports access to diverse talents while enabling women to grow and learn to their fullest potential. Nandani, welcome to the show. Hi, Lori. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited. Oh, absolutely. I think what you're doing is really um, quite fascinating. So um, let's talk about a little bit. Can we talk about ways that you're supporting and, and how to be an ally to enable women in tech to progress with with the goals and um, agendas that they have yeah absolutely I mean it's it's a very important topic to me I um, I think um, we all as women especially in the field of tech know that we are underrepresented so it's very important to be able to um, support each other and we can do it in various ways right um, so I think one of the easiest ways is to create like a little safe space for um, women to get together or anyone that associates as women to be together um, you know celebrate like highs and lows losses and wins together, I think it's important to show some level of compassion, lean in into the other women and, and sort of also be a sponsor, um, you know, for, for them to be able to grow in their careers. We all like face a lot of different things as we're going through and, and growing and, you know, learning. Uh, I think it's important to make sure that, um, you know, if, especially if you take on a leadership role and, um, you know, it's important to be able to go out there and mentor someone else. Take the opportunity, um, ladies, if you're out there as a, especially women in leader leadership position, um, you know, there are lots of people that could do with a sponsor or mentor, um, someone who can be a good ally, um, share your experiences. I think it's very important to like lean into them. Um, and I believe in it very passionately. Um, I mentor a lot of folks um, in my network and, and I love doing it. I think it, it works both ways um, as far as I'm concerned. I learn from it and, and hopefully someone else learns from it too. <laughs> I love that. I'm a huge advocate of 
mentoring and, and paying it forward and, and helping elevate um, those around us. Right. And it's a very important thing to do. I think we owe it back to society in some ways. Totally. Um, let's talk about um, what, what you're working on, which is mm-hmm. humanizing uh, technology products. So why is that important and, and how does that even happen and what does this really mean? Yeah, you know, I get asked that a lot. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> when I say I love to like, you know, I, that's my focus, like really trying to like humanize um, tech products. So I mean, if, if someone asked me what it is, it's essentially think of it as you're building something that would present a use for technology in a sense that actually allows you to connect um, with other people and other humans um, and also put you a little more mentally and emotionally in charge of what you're trying to accomplish. Um, and, you know, the, the irony is when you think about, you know, tech products, and I'm talking purely like from a, you know, software aspect, because that's really my, my skill set. Um, if you look at, you know, technology products, the irony is a lot of it is meant to try and connect people together. But in the process, I think the communication process has become completely like discombobulated in many ways, right? Mm -hmm. Especially now, you know, the world that we're living in, in a pandemic or a post-pandemic world, um, people crave that human connection. And, you know, we're all sitting in front of our computers and we're all, you know, having to deal with, um, you know, with various uh, products that we're using in our day-to-day lives. But how many of those products are really putting you in the front seat emotionally? And how many of those products are allowing you to engage with them where you are in charge of making that final decision? You don't want to like build software solutions that are just meant to be there to make, um, you know, just for the sake of automation. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, I don't, I don't want my, you know, I don't want a software product to tell me what clothes I need to wear. I want them to maybe give me a range and give me different factors, for example, and say, here's the weather, you know, here's the situation or here's the place you're going to go to. And so then I would still want to be in charge of what I'm going to wear as opposed to like a software solution or a bot telling me what, <laughs> what I should wear. So, you know, that's that subtle difference, but that can essentially put you in charge of things. And, and, you know, what we're doing, you know, and the work that I'm doing now also is about how you're essentially wanting to come forward with what you're really experiencing, and whether you're in the workplace or whether it's personally, um, depending on what you're going through, I don't want to be sitting and talking to a bot that just is being very insensitive to, to what my situation is. I want compassion and I want human connection. And that's the humanizing portion of the whole technology, if that makes sense. I know I said a lot of different things there, but that's kind of what humanizing tech really means to me, at least. Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, you, you shared a lot and there's a lot of little thought bubbles that popped to my head as you were talking. First, I'm curious, is, is this, are you talking about AI to some extent? Uh, AI to some extent, yes. I think, I mean, AI is such a buzzword at the moment, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. everyone wants to do AI. I mean, largely it's meant to make life easier. Largely it's meant to make um, decision-making more informed. Um, But at the same time, we know we need to know where we have to cross the line. You know, do you want to provide 
enough information to your end users so they can be in charge and make the decisions on their own or know what kind of conversations they need to have with people? Absolutely. Would you rather have AI kind of have those conversations for you or make those decisions for you? Probably not. And that's that's the side that I, you know, I don't necessarily fall in. I, I believe that if we're building software, we as technologists, I think we have this big moral responsibility on our shoulders that if we are building a software product and putting something out there let's let's leverage ai to the point where it's bare minimum and and needed but you still need to make sure that the human connection is not being replaced by a bot sure yeah if that makes sense you know, so kind of, absolutely absolutely yeah um Another thought bottle, Bob, bleh, another thought bubble <laughs> that popped up. Yeah. Um, you were talking about chat and making, you know, like having some emotion included in that. And just, just today we were mm-hmm. myself and another colleague were on a support chat for, um, you know, a website that we're helping a client with. Um, and we, we, she noticed and, and commented to me how every single response, whomever was on the opposite end, she had a little mm-hmm. smiley face emoji. And yeah. I was, I was wondering like, were, were they instructed to do that? Or is the system automatically doing that? Cause it got, it got somewhat to the point of, um, like overused. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I I trying too hard to put emotion into it. I don't know. It was just an interesting observation. So yeah, it just I mean, it's, sprung out it's me. really hard to get it right. If you're trying to like, you know, automate the whole process of emotion. I mean, emotion is like so centric to humans, you know, I mean, it's our thing, right? It's what differentiates us from, you know, anything that's non-human. So it's, it's very hard to train a bot to like, you know, have that right balance. So if you're seeing like every sentence in a chatbot being followed with a little smiley emoji, then yeah, it's 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 the algorithm skewed too much to one side. Mm-hmm. Um, here, I, I'm really interested in, in how you're going to answer this question because I'm I'm genuinely um, interested, um, somewhat selfishly for my myself, but I'm sure a lot of people have the same question, but. You talk about um, in making sure that you're instilling diversity and inclusivity, specifically in your space of project engineering, but how do you um, do that when it's not fully represented by various demographics? And I'm, I'm really interested in how you're gonna answer that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, I mean, when you think about it and say diversity and inclusion, it probably, again, it's another buzzword these days, but yep. if you step back and look at it, I think it, it's got to mean different, it has to have different meanings to different people. So the way I think of inclusivity and diversity is really in perspective, in thought, in ideas. Um, and I think it's important to make sure that, you know, those idea you're, you're in an environment, like especially in engineering teams, you know, tech teams, you've got to make sure that there's um, enough, um, the frame, you set the framework and set the team dynamic in such a way that diversity in thought um, is, is to be included in, you know, without condition. Um, that's, that's like the top level of it. But as you know, as again, if you really do want to instill like this, the sense of diversity and inclusion or instill that that passion in the team, then I think the first and foremost thing is like the awareness of the gap, right? I mean, recognize 
where the gap really exists. Is it, is it a pay gap, for example? Or is it really a gap in representation? You know, um, Or is it a gap in talent? And each of these need to be handled in different ways. So I think the first step, you know, like I would advise is recognize where that gap exists and make sure that you're aware of that. When you do, then if you, for example, if it's a pay gap, then you have a very clear idea of what you need to do to really close that gap. You've got to go after and make sure there's equity in pay. And if, you know, or for example, if it's really a representation gap, then clearly there is a problem in your talent pool and, you know, the hiring process. So maybe go after that and fix it. So I think, you know, it, it comes down to first being aware and then really trying to like have a path forward to like, you know, try and close where that gap really exists. Um, and, and more than anything, you know, I think it also culturally, we all need to be very purposeful in, in our approach towards this. Um, I think we all need to be super proud of the fact that, you know, we're making an attempt to create that diverse environment um, and we need to own it, you know, unless you're going about it in a very intentional way, um, you know, you're not going to really find true results in, in actually moving the needle uh, and creating more representation. And, and like I said earlier too, it's like, you know, as a woman leader, I think it's very important for me and as, as it's the responsibility lies on my shoulder. I do need to give it back um, to make sure that we are creating environments where everyone can come together and have a very collaborative, positive interaction, um, regardless of what we're doing. I love that. I, I think there's a lot of really good insight that you've shared. And um, I like how you laid the foundation to, mm -hmm. I mean, really solving any problem is identify, be aware of it first. And then, you know, where, where's the holes and, and what are you doing to try to um, right. what is the path or the plan of attack to, to make that? Correct. Happen? Yeah. And I think geography matters too, right? I mean, depending on, and this is a practical world that we live in, recognize how the coasts approach it, even in our country, the coasts approach it very differently than other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. So factor those things in as well. You know, sometimes in, depending on the geographic area you're in, diversity or representation of different demographics is super easy. It's like almost a second thought, you know, not a second thought. But in, in other areas, areas, for example, you have to be more intentional about it, mm -hmm. but it's okay for, for us to like go after it as, as an agenda item, um, especially as leaders, because it's, it's important. That's the only way you're going to have a truly um, inclusive environment. And, you know, along with that comes a huge level of training as well. Like, you know, maybe people aren't, if people aren't seeing the, seeing eye to eye, that this is something that needs to be, um, you know, solved for in the organization, maybe we actually like leverage some good, you know, training programs. So people know what, you know, how the business can be impacted um, when you actually have a more diverse team. So I think all of it put together is kind of, you know, there's no one agenda item you can go after. You can, there's no one thing you can do and, and solve all of your DEI, um, you know, action items magically, but you have to really you know, go after it in a very purposeful way. Love it. Love it. All right. This is going to be a good time to pause for a quick message from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. 
For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today. And Donnie, this show is all about networking. To some people, that word is scary. It invokes fear, (laughs) hesitation, uncertainty. (laughs) My goal is to remove that fear, and I'm hoping you can help me do that. Um, Can you share with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking experiences that you've had? Oh, that's a great question. Um, You know, I was um, recently, um, I recently joined a, um, a diverse a diversity channel. It was basically like a, a Slack channel. Um, and one of their biggest agenda items was uh, providing a safe space for women and women of color to really come together and talk about, you know, um, issues they're facing. I think one of my favorite um, interactions there was um, talking about how um someone asked us a question on the channel about how we, um, how your past experiences or or a negative past experience could have essentially shaped you to be who you are today. And I was just essentially blown away by the types of responses you saw to that question. Um, It was so, um, it was eye-opening for me in so many ways. Um, but also a little disappointing because you you think you know the different negative experiences that people might face, but it was tremendous for me to see the power in that conversation. Um, and I think that's been my favorite networking moment so that I can think of at the moment. I love that. And, and vulnerability creates yeah. trust. You know, when people are open like that, I think there's a whole level of trust that's just automatically created. Right. And, and you're right. Vulnerability is the word for it. And I think, you know, often leaders um, tend to, you know, not want to be vulnerable because they confuse that with the sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think it's quite the opposite. I think, you know, you being vulnerable in a sense, um, essentially like, you know, creates a sense of compassion and, and you function with a high level of EQ. And I think that's what I think good leaders should, should try to do. Absolutely. So regardless of the size of your network, it's extremely important to stay in front of and nurture that audience. So how do you stay in front of and nurture the community that you've created? Um, You know, I think it's, um, you know, like I said, you've got to be able to share your um, wins and your losses together. Um, You've got a good network. We've all like taken our time, you know, building our network around us. It's very important, you know, to be around for each other. And you don't use network just as as an excuse to like, just go meet people. I think you have to be more authentic about it. And that's how you, um, you know, you know, you do it in a way that, Um, you are open about the way that you're communicating with each other and making sure you're there for for your network as well. It's not just about you tapping into your network. It's not one-sided, but I think it has to be a um, a two-way street, right? So, you know, if there are people that actually need you, show up for them. And I think um, that's how you end up being in the front and center of it. You know, support each other, you know, and it may even mean like people post different things on social media, you might need to just be there, you know, 
participate in the conversation, engage with them. Um, and those are ways that you can actually like, you know, promote each other. I think that's important to do as part of an, as, as part of any network. Absolutely. I agree with everything that you're saying there. Yeah. All right. Here's a, here's a fun one for you. If you could go back to your 20 year old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of less of or differently with regards to your professional career? I would actually tell myself to do, um, to, to do more of, um, let me think about this. I think it's important for me to have been more confident in myself. So I think I would have told myself to do, you know, more of confident things. I don't know how else to say it, but essentially like do things that imbibe a self self a sense of self-confidence. I think I would, I definitely would have liked to do more of that. Um, I think maybe less of like going out and watching games, <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, perhaps a little bit less of that. Oh, oh yes. And here's another one. I think I would tell myself to write um, shorter emails. I tend to be very, very wordy with my emails, but I, I think I've learned to be more concise and brief. So I would definitely tell myself that. Okay. I could, I could see um, all of those being extremely beneficial. Um, right. right. I think the confidence one is, is really important though. And that's something, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just our own head games. You know, there's a lot of talk around the mental state right now. So, um, and, yes. and, and that's just, we get in the way of ourselves probably more so than anything else does. Right. And also tend, you know, trying to tend to make thing make a big mountain of a mole. I think that's something most people in their 20s don't understand. It might seem very significant and big, but in the long scheme of things, you know, career and life is really a marathon. It's not a sprint, you know. It's unfortunate that we learn that lesson like halfway through the game. Halfway through it. I know. It's like, God damn it. I wish I'd slowed down earlier. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no kidding. All right. I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me what's something that you'd like to ask me um I would love to know what you know the same question that you just asked me what did you what would you tell yourself uh, back in the 20s oh boy <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I one of the things that I really wish I paid closer attention to is trying to identify and find a mentor in life yeah um someone, you know, that's one thing that I really try to be a mentor to others now, because it's something that I didn't necessarily have. I mean, there's a number of people that gave me some good insight and counsel, but I didn't have a dedicated go-to. This is my, my guru. Who's going to, you know, guide me and, and counsel yeah. me. Um, and part of that is, you know, when I was in college, I wish I would have, um, created better relationships with my professors. Cause you know, back then I couldn't just connect with them on LinkedIn or email them. You know, it was, it was, here's their cell phone number or their home number. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. You know, to have a conversation with the professor, you had to go to their, their office hours. So, um, it's totally different today. And I think, um, a lot of students today, they're missing out on even connecting with their, their professors they have now. And I, I just wish that I would have done a better job of staying in touch with those people that really, educated me in, in the career path that I'm I chose yeah and I can totally relate to that too I mean it's like when you when you were in a university system I think those are you know having good professors is like a wonderful resource and mm -hmm. right I don't think we see the value of it when we're in that young you know yeah. it's the nature <laughs> of life you know 
Yeah, I was more interested in hurry up and get out of the class and right. go yeah. see what my friends are doing. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Uh, I should have should have spent more time asking the big questions, you know, because those people were there to answer them for me. For sure. I can totally relate to that. Yeah. But that's a good one. Thank you. Now, Daddy, any final word or advice to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? Um, absolutely. Just be there for the network, show compassion. That basically takes and lean in into your network. Um, and compassion is basically the next level beyond being supportive. I think we all need to stretch a little bit to meet our network. And I think that's, um, that's, that's a very important thing to do. We all, we all owe it to our network. Love it. If anyone was interested in getting in touch with you, what's the best way that they can reach you? Oh, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm most active there. Um, and um, they can also go into um, speakfully.com and, and reach out from there. All right. We will include all that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Laurie. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Great conversation. All right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. Huge thank you to Nadani for taking the time to connect with us. As mentioned before, let's connect on LinkedIn. Connect with me, connect with Nandani. Both of us are happy to connect. We look forward to hearing from you shortly. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And most importantly, go reach out and connect with someone. Reconnect with someone from your past or find someone new that you'd like to connect with. That's what it's all about. Go and build those relationships. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.